I'm Christina Gerakides, co-CEO of Singularity U Australia and committed to making the seemingly impossible possible. Singularity U Australia stands at the intersection of the values of humanity with the value of technology. Inspire for Five is a place where we have conversations with inspirational entrepreneurs, community leaders and representatives of organisations who are boldly creating a future by design. The good, the bad, the warts and the inspiration. We are leading the way to be the change we want to see in the world. Conversations that bring to light the magic that is happening on a daily basis all over the globe. Welcome to another episode of Inspire for Five. Today we are so fortunate to be speaking to the inspirational and amazing Topher Wilkins. Topher is CEO of Opportunity Collaboration and co-founder and co-chair of conveners.org. Welcome Topher and our, my very first question to you is, tell me something about you that I won't find out uh, if I stalk you on the internet or if I read your LinkedIn profile or something like that. Thanks for joining us. Pleasure to be here, Christina. Um, well, it's a, it's a little known secret, I suppose, that Topher is actually the second half of Christopher. So my legal name on my passport, my driver's license, et cetera, is Christopher. And uh, the reason why my parents, my loving parents, thought it wise to call me the second half of the name as opposed to the first half of the name was because of my grandmother. Her name was Christine. And we called her Granny Chris. So no one, no one wanted two Chris's in the family. And instead, uh, my parents chose the second half of the, of the name. And I, I think they always thought I would revert, revert back to Chris or Christopher at some point uh, later on in life when I was supposedly more mature. But uh, joke's on them, Christina. <laughs> it still hasn't happened. Love it. Because my name's Christina. And my mother used to make a point of saying to my friends, her name is Christina, not Chris. So I think that was uh, that was very wise. And I do have, and we differentiated with my cousins because a couple of them are called Christina as well. If you watch my big fat Greek wedding, you'll find out why. Um, and some of us were Chris, some of us were Tina, some of us were Christine, and I was always Christina. So there you go. I totally relate to the name. Uh, all right, Tina. It's your Tina from now on then. So amazing background. Um, and inspiration. I guess before we go into the five points of inspiration, can you also give me or give our listeners an idea of how you landed in the field that you're in? So before we go through the five things that totally inspire you and, and have inspired that journey, what led you into the field that you're in? Yeah, great. Well, uh, life is a long and winding road. Um, I think for the most recent iteration of my professional career, which has been with Opportunity Collaboration uh, for the last 10 years. Um, this was a, a serendipitous encounter between my wife, uh, who I worked very closely with and have even before Opportunity Collaboration, meeting the founder of this global in-person event a few months before the very first version of it in 2009. Um, and at the time he knew that he was undergoing this grand experiment around this unconference for leaders in the world of impact. Uh, and yet he didn't know if it was gonna be a success. Uh, and he invited us down just to explore and see where there might be some traction. Uh, he did know that his current management team was gonna be leaving after the first iteration of it. So if there was 
was going to be any future iterations of it, he knew he'd need to be working with somebody to help him bring it together. And lo and behold, um, after attending the first version of the event and really being inspired by his vision and the community that he brought together, uh, my wife and I could easily see a path forward uh, in terms of helping to helping to carry it into the last decade of its existence. Love it. Says so serendipity, accident, no accident. Um, yeah. Put yourself in the in the pathways of opportunities, and it's amazing what comes out for you. So let's let's start on your five um, points of inspiration. So the first one is an individual, Jackson Kaguri, who, um, is, who has a relationship or, or is the founder of Nyaka AIDS Orphan Project. Um, fill us in on the story there. Yeah, thanks, Christina. And I should, uh, I should premise, preface this in that the first three points of inspiration are all individuals who've attended Opportunity Collaboration, so I've known through that context. Um, and these are all people who I have witnessed uh, become leaders in and of themselves, uh, despite the fact that they were born into abject poverty themselves, that they have this path of understanding from firsthand experience, um, the difficulty of having very little and being incredibly marginalized from birth. Uh, and then the inspiration that they provided me is in their hero's journey, if you will, uh, coming out of those contexts and actually becoming incredible leaders for their communities and for the sector at large. Um, so Jackson's my first example of that. He was born in a small rural village in Northern Uganda, um, found his way to Makarere University uh, and, and, and young, younger phases of his life. And then uh, he was essentially um, adopted for lack of a better word, because he was of course an orphan um, by a family in Rochester, New York here in the States. Uh, that led him to receiving his master's from Columbia University. And then from then on, he sought to give back to his community. So he returned to this village in Northern Uganda and saw that uh, like himself, there were many, many more orphans, specifically from the AIDS epidemic. Uh, and it was his realization that he could be uh, an agent of change in his community that brought him to founding the Nyaka AIDS Orphans Project. Wow, so very brave soul. Um, just before we go on to the to the second person, just give our listeners a bit of a background on what opportunity collaboration is. Sure, happy to, Christina. Yeah, um, well, historically, up until a global pandemic erased all in-person convenings, um, we have been hosting a annual unconference, as we call it, for leaders building sustainable solutions to poverty. So. This is typically somewhere around four to 500 folks, usually around 50 plus countries represented every year. Um, they span the spectrum in terms of looking at health, education, clean water, sustainable ag, um, small and medium-sized enterprise growth, ethical supply chains, refugee issues, women's empowerment, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, poverty is of course an incred incredibly complex issue and demands a complex set of solutions. Um, these folks are also uh, span the spectrum in terms of people running well-known institutions like folks work for the Gates Foundation, for example, uh, and people who are, I guess, the more unsung heroes of the sector. Uh, the folks who come from you know, unknown origin doing work on the ground in their various communities. Um, so every year we bring these people together in such a way that they have a chance to really share their stories, to talk about what challenges they're facing institutionally in terms of their various organizations that they're running, 
um, but also have the space and space and time to form those really lasting, authentic, meaningful relationships with each other. And that's where that's where I've gleaned the most inspiration is in providing that space where folks get a chance to talk beyond the business cards, beyond the pitches, beyond the PowerPoints and panels and plenaries of most conferences, uh, and really find that, you know, that empathetic human relationship with each other. Because yeah, it is that empathy, isn't it? It's that real close connection where you can start helping people and you, and you do have a whole group of like-minded people gathered together. So that would be an obvious, um, obvious slash maybe not so obvious outcome of, of the gathering like that. So fantastic. Um, Sakina Yakubi, Afghan Institute of Learning uh, is your second point of inspiration. What's the story there? Yeah, so Sakina, Oh man, she's like the mother Teresa of Afghanistan to me. She's just an incredible person. Um, she's from Afghanistan. She witnessed firsthand the the brutal force of the Taliban uh, and the the incredible destruction of educational opportunities, specifically for women and girls, uh, as a result of the Taliban regime. Um, and so, similar to Jackson. She has dedicated her life, uh, she's an older woman now, I think she's well into her 70s, um, to providing those types of edu educational opportunities for women and girls all across Afghanistan, um, despite the inherent danger therein. I mean, she, she travels with professional bodyguards. She rarely leaves her home, except to come to places like Opportunity Collaboration where she can connect with global leaders. Um, but she's, she's one of those quiet, very unassuming, leader. She's uh, incredibly humble. Uh, she's like the little old grandma who has ancient wisdom that if you just scratch under the surface, you'll find uh, incredible depth and wisdom. That's fantastic. Um, I remember seeing Barbara Marks Hubbard speak uh, at 91 years of old and thought, I want to be her and now I want to be I want to be Sakina as well. Uh, so when you say she had firsthand experience of the Taliban, and as horrific as I know that probably is, can you just expand on that story a bit? Because that's where we get a, a true understanding of the bravery and the risks um, and all in courage that some of these people actually take to make the world a better place. Can you um, share a bit of that story with us? Of course. Um, so a few snippets here, Christina. I mean, from the story she shared with me, um, her childhood was one of fear. And, and anxiety and violence all around her. Uh, and this wasn't even necessarily directly contributed to the Taliban presence in her village. It was also the uh, implicit and unstated um, violence against women on behalf of men. That there was a simple social contract that essentially any young woman could be raped at any time and that was okay. I don't know if she's ever gone through that herself personally, but I can imagine the, the trauma that exists around that is there no matter what. Um, and then of course, as she grew older, watching the direct uh, brute force of the Taliban in terms of destroying these educational opportunities and you know, the bombs falling around her and, and seeing girls you know, hiding in fear, and yet also seeing those girls' um, faces brighten up and smile when there was a book, when there was a teacher, when there was an opportunity to learn and be together in service of developing their own livelihoods and personas. So um, I don't have, 
I don't have the ability to truly empathize with that considering my incredible privileged background here in the United States and growing up as a young white male. But, you know, in sitting with Sakina, I understand that she's, um, she's catapulted herself beyond that trauma and become an incredible force for good. It is hard to believe that as a human, we can treat other humans in that regard. And I guess people like um, Sakina and yourself and the opportunity collaboration organization anywhere we can where we can make a difference whether it's by a small donation or having a voice or whatever it is um, one of my one of my the sayings that's most dear to me is um, good things happen when bad people do and say nothing so I think what what mm -hmm. she's doing what you're doing by bringing her story out is absolutely remarkable mm -hmm. uh, and what a brave amazing woman and I can totally understand why she's an inspiration to you um, the next person on your list is Salva Dutt, Water for South Sudan, which may seem like a simple thing for, as you say, people like ourselves who are born into remarkable um, countries with remarkable opportunity where we don't even think about turning on a tap or a water filter or buying a bottle of water to have that source. But yeah, so can you fill us in now on, on the water source? Of course. Yeah, well, and Salva, similar to Jackson Sakina, has that same that same narrative arc to his to his story. So he grew up in South Sudan, um, and he was around 11 years old when the civil war broke out, and uh, the soldiers came through his village, and he was separated from his family, uh, from his brothers and sisters and his parents. Um, and it was alongside several thousand other lost boys of Sudan, where he traveled to uh, East Africa to seek refuge. Um, he eventually made his way here to the United States. Uh, and similar to Jackson, he was able to essentially be adopted by a family here in the US. Um, and similar to Jackson, again, he was able to return to his village in South Sudan, of course, after the violence had, had quelled. Uh, and it was there that he reunited his father after 30 years of separation. And um, in perhaps the, you know, the worst twist of fate, his father was on his deathbed, deathbed because of a waterborne illness. And it was then that Salva decided that it was, his, it was his calling, his purpose in life to create clean water solutions for, for his community in the South Sudan. It's quite amazing, isn't it? How that back narrative, that back story is so crucial in, in people's purpose and what sets them forward. What is the Water for South Sudan project? How does it go about? Yeah, so they are working with a number of different organizations across South Sudan uh, to ensure clean drinking water. So Salva's, um, and this is actually a perfect segue during my next point of inspiration, a bit of an intermediary that way. So he realized that it wasn't necessarily essential to create and, and centralize clean water efforts that he could work with other communities uh, in that region who are already thinking about, ah, could we drill a well? Could we bring in clean water from this other source? And so he's really been a mobilizer of resources, a galvanizer of, of effort and impact in that area by working with a distributed network across South Sudan. And I guess the more he finds out, the more he can converge the different ideas, the different technologies, the different aspects of, of this whole right. clean water yeah. thing. And, and one improvement that you see in one village or one area can then um, gather momentum and be a source of solution for the next one. Uh, I imagine that you see that, or that he at least sees 
um, a lot of that happening. And and would, I imagine that you would see that with opportunity collaboration as well. So you mm. come up with um, with a, a resource or um, a, a great mind meld group for one area that continues to help others. I think that's part of this, you know, the brilliance of when we get together and like minds um, and like souls who want to help and make a difference gather, um, which brings us to the first organisation that you want to talk about um, yeah. as a source of inspiration, Thousand Currents, intermediary org that supports grassroots organisations um, across the global south. So can exactly. you can you give us a bit of context about what they do and then, and then why they are a source of inspiration for you? Sure. Yeah, and, and, and perhaps it's helpful that intermediary terms specifically as it relates to this work, Christina. Um, so Thousand Currents has been around for about 35 years now. It's one of the first uh, public foundations here in the United States. So this is a grant-making organization uh, by its nature. It exists to distribute funds to a network of organizations, mainly grassroots organizations across the global south. And yet it doesn't sit on its own corpus of money from which it can make those grants, um, i.e. it needs to find those resources and then galvanize those resources and funnel those resources to this network. So as an intermediary organization, it's, its job is to work with high net worth individuals, various foundations, large and small, other pools of money to say, hey, we are the bridge builder. We are the translator between the work that you want to do as a funder and these incredible partnerships that we have with these organizations all around the world, mainly in the global south. Um, so the reason why they are such an inspiration to me, and full disclosure, I sat on the board, so <laughs> I feel a close connect. Um, there's a lot of conversations in the context of my work with Opportunity Vibration, how to do philanthropy well, right? The Perhaps on the far end of the spectrum of how not to do it well is the classic armchair philanthropist, you know, somebody uh, who doesn't have a real connection with the work that they're supporting, somebody who essentially feels good about being a philanthropist, but, uh, but that it sort of stops there. <laughs> and on the other end of the spectrum, you have organizations like Thousand Currents that are so deeply rooted in partnership, in humility, in deep listening with the organizations that they support, that they're providing far more than monetary support. They're also providing all sorts of capacity building and other uh, inspiration to these organizations. Um, it's really that that philosophy of deep listenership, deep partnership that I always found most inspiring about the Thousand Currents work. And what's one of the best outcomes that you've seen um, from Thousand Currents? Mm. Wow. Well, there's a lot. Um, and for anyone who's interested, you know, the website is replete with different types of success stories. Uh, one of the things that I found especially inspiring is that they've historically been a grant-making institution. Um, and yet in the last three years or so, um, they started to develop different forms of uh, resource allocation that actually ensure the grantee partners have a chance to build assets. Um, so they're doing a little bit more around investing, uh, MRI or PR, mission-related investment, program-related investments. Um, but in, in true Thousand Currents fashion, they are not, uh, not only doing these types of investments for the sake of helping these organizations build up, but they're applying this theoretical lens to say, hey, we're not necessarily investment professionals. We, we don't necessarily know the best terms for these investments. Why don't you, as the recipients of these investments, tell us what types of terms would make the most sense for your organization? 
So they really flip the script on what is otherwise typical forms of impact investing where the money really dictates how those investments are structured. And we're finding more and more in so many different avenues, businesses, corporations, um, startups, et cetera, how just flipping conversations, flipping questions can, has amazing um, impact on results. So yeah, um, thank you for, for sharing that, that whole flip uh, ideology with us. Um, the last point of inspiration, so if we're only going for five, I'm sure that you have many, many uh, <laughs> people that have inspired you, many organizations, many, you know, many different projects. Uh, conveners.org. So convening the impact conveners as meta as it gets is the way that you described it <laughs> earlier. Yeah. And on what that, that's all about. Sure. Um, and full disclosure here, listeners, I am a co-founder of this organization. <laughs> I am also on the, <laughs> I have some bias. Um, but I, I will say from an objective standpoint, uh, it, it is incredibly refreshing for me to have a, a network of peers. So the essence here, Christina, is um, as I am running Opportunity Collaboration, which is one star and a much larger constellation of other convenings, meetings, conferences, gathering points out there for the impact ecosystem, um, I need a space where I can connect with the folks who run those other events. I need a space where I feel like I can be vulnerable around my successes and failures as an event organizer and convener, where I can learn from my peers around best practices, figure out sort of how we map together. Um, what, are the, what are the opportunities we have to partner with each other and potentially collaborate with each other? Because lo and behold, that's what we were providing for everyone else in the sector. We weren't necessarily doing it for each other until conveners already existed. Amazing. And, and one of the, what's one of the greatest success stories from, from the connections that, that you've made um, with conveners.org? What, what's one of the ongoing effects projects, you know, even maybe the bravest moment that you've ever experienced in that? Yeah. Wow. Well, in terms of uh, direct outcomes for me and Opportunity Collaboration, we were actually able to forge a very healthy partnership with the Skull World Forum. Uh, through the work of conveners.org. In other words, conveners.org was that, that sandbox within OC and Skull World Forum could start to play. Um, and we built a pretty nice sandcastle as a result of that, I think. Uh, so we have, a, we have a lasting partnership with them and um, that's provided a lot of value to Opportunity Collaboration. I'd like to think it provide a lot of value to the Skull World Forum as well. Um, now to your other question, Christina, I mean, I think one of the most inspirational pieces of work for, that I've seen for conveners.org recently is helping a lot of us who are suffering as a result of the global pandemic, because of course, many of our models and organizations were hinged upon the value of in-person convenings. Um, conveners.org has really helped a lot of us pivot to virtual and figure out what are, what are some useful ways to take all of the wonderful aspects of being in person normally and actually port those over into the online presence. Um, the Catapult Future Festival uh, that historically has happened in Oslo, Norway, for example, ported completely over to virtual and a very successful version of their event online uh, as a result of working with conveners.org. And it's, it's very inspiring to see how conveners.org really came to the rescue. It's like, it was like the house is on fire and they showed up with the hoses right away. <laughs> I love, love that analogy. 
Um, Topher, thank you so much for sharing um, your points of inspiration. If people want to get in contact with you and they want to um, assist you in any way, A, what's the best way that people can assist in any of these projects? Um, and B, what's the point of contact? And we'll put it in the notes for the podcast. Great, thanks, Christina. Well, look, um, I mean, specifically with Jackson, Sakina, and Salva, these are all nonprofit organizations uh, seeking direct grants. So, of course, if I were in the positions of these executive directors and founders, I would say go to our website, click on the Donate Now button. Um, Thousand Currents, like I said, is an intermediate that, you know, survives on donations as well, but then, of course, makes donations at the same time. So, for them, there's always this healthy tension of they need resources, but they also need to know what the best organizations are to give those resources to. Uh, and for conveners.org, we're always looking for folks like yourself, Christina. <laughs> Come on board. <laughs> Anyone out there who's in the world of convening for social change, those are the types of people we want to be talking to. Fantastic. We look yeah. forward to further collaborations with you. Um, I look forward to further conversations with you, actually. I'm sure like five points of inspiration is really not fair. Uh, <laughs> About 5,000. <000. laughs> Um, I'm not sure why you were a thousand, a thousand podcasts. I'm not sure that's a, good name for a, a book or a movie though, I'm sure, or a documentary. Thank you so much for joining us today. Um, it's mm. been an amazing experience getting to know you um, over the course of this podcast, but also the remarkable work that you're doing. And we wish you absolute every success um, and, you know, keep, keep being the source of inspiration for so many people but we will definitely have conversations about how um, Singularity U Australia can support you. Look forward to that um, very much. Wonderful. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure, Christina. Truly. Thank you for listening to this episode of the podcast and stay tuned because we'll have many more stories of inspiration for you to hook into later. Have a great afternoon, evening, day, morning, wherever you are situated in the world. Take care. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Inspire for Five, the Singularity U Australia podcast. We look forward to your company again on the next podcast. And in the meantime, we'd like to give a big shout out to our founding partner, Deloitte.